Hi, how is everyone doing? This is Isaac Winoto, the host and founder of the Footprints Podcast, presented by Gen Digital Productions. We went on a brief pause for quite a while, but now we're back. In case you're new here, this podcast is not just your regular one-on-one interview, but instead, we're a platform that cares about the digital world we live in, its future, and the unique people behind it straight into your ears. We've had various guests who've walked different ways of life. Shared stories unheard of. For me to decide that I want to be a singer, it's Mike Mohede. I wouldn't want to be a singer. And showed us the light at the end of their footprints. Zach, you're going to make mistakes in your life. Trust me, you're going to make mistakes. But the key is to learn from them. Be aware in the more literal sense of knowing what's happening in the world. We want to see color. When I see your color, I must be proud and I must see it as something beautiful. But Starting this month, we're kicking it into another gear. From underrated young guests, world-renowned artists, and CEOs with passion to make a difference, you'll listen to more voices, more passions, and for sure, more stories that make these heroes who they are today. Just sit back, enjoy, and stay tuned for more. Yo, what's good, everybody? Before we start this podcast, we are going to start a new segment called Youth Hustle where we highlight a certain business or organization at the start of our episodes in order to basically promote youth empowerment, as well as obviously, you know, just uh, help and support these businesses to empower the youth community, right? So today's business, without further ado, is Build Serial, founded by two young teenagers, Lakeisha Aesthetic, Sharonina, and Vala Mackey. Spilled Cereal is a small clothing line where they upcycle secondhand items from donations in local thrift stores and turn them into new pieces that attune to current trends. Um, when Lakeisha and Vallas started it, their vision was to show that a great sense of style can come hand in hand with an eco-friendly lifestyle. So it all started with their interest in fashion that you know, sort of resonated with this dream to start a clothing line together. And as they noticed that the thrifting community in their area was growing and there were so many good quality, unused clothes laying around the waist, um, they wanted a way for the youth community to access carefully curated clothes that were both in style and support the slow fashion movement. Here in the Footprints Podcast, we are all in for sustainability and this is something that we will address as well Uh, in today's episode with Piat, so I think this is something that really goes hand in hand as well as our sort of awareness for the environment. If you think Spilled Cereal is cool and you would like to know more about them, you can go and DM to make orders in their Instagram account at spilled.cereal and check out their hashtag, hashtag spillincereal for more available items. All right, that's it for me. Spilled cereal, thank you. Shout out to you guys. And let's get to your conversation with Piat Yakubowski. All right, welcome back, everyone, to the Footprints Podcast. My name is Isaac Winoto, your host. And today will be an, a very interesting conversation. Uh, we will be talking with the ex-CMO of Gojek, a digital marketing maestro, and the founder of Nafas, uh, Jakarta's largest network of air quality sensors to solve the air pollution problem in Jakarta. Uh, without further ado, bule pertama yang lahir di rumah sakit Pondok Indah, Piot Yakubowski. What's up? Hi man? everybody. Hi. How's it going? Thank you for having me today. It's great. It's great. Um, I haven't uh, recorded or taped a podcast episode in the last probably two three months, 
So it's great to obviously have a wonderful guest all the way from Singapore. Um, but yeah, before we start, let's have the listeners go through a very brief timeline uh, of your career. Uh, you're a Polish citizen, but you were born and raised in Jakarta, uh, went to JIS, as we talked about earlier, and went to university in Iowa, right? Uh, mungkin as bule yang sudah lama di Indonesia. When you went there, obviously, I know that the Midwest weather in the winter can be kind of crazy. Uh, mungkin nggak tahan dingin, or how is it? Uh, how how was it there? Gimana di sana? Di kalau kalau tahun pertamanya lumayan lumayan uh, interesting sih, karena ya yeah. kan kalau kita tinggal di Jakarta jarang banget ngecek suhu udara because we know every day is gonna be it was gonna be pretty thing. fine, right? It's gonna exactly. short weather every day. So, right. so uh, um, you know, the winters in the Midwest can get pretty brutal. So my first, uh, my my first spring, I remember wearing, uh, uh, you know, I was wearing jeans and a sweatshirt for a while, and then sometime in November, um, I didn't check the weather and I put on my jeans and sweatshirt, and I took about. 50 steps outside of my dorm room and I realized that it was negative five degrees and I was like ah wow. this is this is probably not uh not the right attire so I, I went upstairs and, uh, and 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 changed again so um it was definitely uh definitely a culture shock one of one of the things that uh um uh, that I missed really about being in Jakarta is uh makanan Indonesia dong of course Uh, setiap kali bolak-balik ke Jakarta, gue bawa dua hal. Lima kilo beras kepala canjur. Alright. Yang sudah pernah di stop di bandara dan di, mm-hmm. ditanyakan, if, if, what, what the hell is this? Uh, dan um, satu dus Indomie kari ayam. Always. Ooh, that, so, that's a staple, that's a staple. When, you, when you're in Indonesia for like, what, 17, 18 years, uh, you can't live without it. You have to, you have to, yeah, and, you know, on, on Saturday and Sunday morning when you had a little bit more fun than you should have the night before, yes, uh, uh, a nice, a nice Indomie Talor breakfast is, uh, is the best. Some nice comfort food there. Right, right, right. So you we went to school in Iowa. Uh, very interesting. Um, hopefully I'm going to be going back to uh, Chicago uh, this September. Hopefully this year you don't have the polar vortex or things will be very cold there. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, you worked in Chicago uh, for some years before eventually coming back to Indonesia, right? Yeah. Um, and I think you've mentioned this a lot, that you wanted to go to Indonesia for, I think, only for two years, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but you stayed here for way longer. What drew you in about Indonesia? I, well, it was, a mix of, uh, it was a mix of stuff, right? The first, uh, the first thing was the fact that uh, I've already spent so much time in Indonesia, so it already kind of felt like home. Right. But the second thing is that I came back to Indonesia in 2011, and um, right around 2012 and 13 was when the digital and mobile revolution was really starting. Right. Uh, mm-hmm. There was a there was there was this shift starting to go from uh, BlackBerry handsets and BBM to Android handsets and uh, and you know the 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 quote unquote smartphone revolution that uh, that you know is has become part of everyday life today. So right. that was an incredibly exciting thing to be a part of, and mm-hmm. uh, and that was one of the main reasons why why I had uh, I had decided to. 
it was supposed to be hang around a little bit longer, uh, which okay. it, which turned from hang around a little bit longer to you know almost ten years. Um, so uh, so so that was a that was just that excitement of of this of this new new uh, new technology that people were discovering right. and. Uh, one of the cool things that I really uh, that I really liked about uh, um, you know people in Indonesia is that um, they they always seem to discover a new way of using a tool mm-hmm. that people uh, or the people who design the tool didn't necessarily build it for that. Um, got it, got it, so it. so you know BBM commerce and and you know yeah. social commerce on BBM was just. Uh, uh, exploding before you know people even talked about social commerce right so uh so that was just a really exciting thing to be a part of mm-hmm, mm-hmm. got it got it so just like tapping into your mindset at that time right so okay you knew the potential of indonesia and obviously uh, it already had sort of uh like it's in your heart because you've been there you know for for years but was this like uh more spontaneous or like it was kind of planned over the years um i would say it's a little bit of a mix of both okay. um mm-hmm. and uh i don't think i don't I, personally i don't think uh, uh planning too many things out is uh um uh, yeah. is, is a good thing to do because mm-hmm. you want to leave a little bit of room of flexibility uh yeah. for for your career for your life in general because uh, one of the things that i've kind of discovered through through my career and my journey is at different stages of your life you're interested in different things and you have a little bit of a different uh, perspective on life, perspective on your own personal kind of um, needs, if you will. And, um, and, and your goals kind of change a little bit, right? So, right. you know, if you're, you're, uh, you're in uh, uh, going into your second year at school, you know, exactly. your, your point of view now is going to be very different than what it's going to be in two, three years when you graduate. And then mm-hmm. a few years after that. So, So I actually don't think, uh, 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 you know, didn't really compartmentalize myself in that perspective. And that actually led to my, uh, my kind of jump into startups because, um, you know, from, from, from very early on in my career, I was a very uh, keen on advertising and digital marketing. And I'm going to be, I'm going to be in the advertising world. You know, my, Mm -hmm. my dream uh, was to become, uh, uh, you know, global CEO of an advertising agency. That was my right. dream. Okay. And, uh, and in 2015, this small little company called Gojek came along and I didn't know anything, uh, or I didn't really know too much about startups and how right. it worked. And, but I was just like, you know, this, this, I like the vision. I like what they're working on. I like the fact that, um, a few years after that smartphone revolution had started, um, technology, and uh, in this case, mobile technology, was really empowering and enabling people to do more. Um, and those were the things that were that that really drew me to uh, 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 to, to join the team and become uh, and become part of the team because uh, I was completely fascinated by it. So mm-hmm. you know, if I had if I had set my sights and set my goals very rigidly on, you know, I'm just going to stay in advertising forever. I wouldn't have had that opportunity to go into go into Gojek and then now uh, you know start a start a company uh, myself. Awesome, awesome. I really do uh, resonate with that thing, especially like exploring and obviously opening that room for flexibility. Since you mentioned Gojek, uh, that startup uh, space, I also got introduced to it uh, probably like 
uh, when I finished uh, high school, I was interning in Tokopedia. Obviously, now Gojek and Tokopedia uh, are merged together. And I just saw, you know, this collaborative nature. Um, I was a software engineer intern. So, you know, getting those Jira tasks um, and then also like working together with like, you know, the business product and data teams to like together create a solution. That was just, you know, this collaborative agile nature was really something that I really liked. Just reading a lot about you and uh, knowing about how you thought about the startup uh, sort of sphere there, um, I think Gojek and yourself, like you both have always emphasized the importance of data, right? And how much we can tell the story of a company through data. I listened to uh, Kevin. He often talks about the important aspect of turning data into meaningful insights. That's something that he looks for, I think, with a lot of people. I want to know how powerful in your own experience data has been. I know you've been probably four years, three years in Gojek, and then obviously venturing onto Nafas. Um, for companies or people who do not really, who haven't really realized this potential of data, how powerful can it be? Uh, it can be life-changing. Um, it can be right. life-changing for the trajectory of a business. It could be life-changing for the trajectory of, uh, of, of, of how you're able to deliver on, uh, on, on the vision that you're trying to deliver. Uh, and I'll use, uh, I'll use a couple of examples here, right? Um, right. When, when you take a look at how, um, uh, just looking at the general consumer products and the, and, the, and the brand space, right? If you take a look at how traditionally businesses built products um you know 20 30 years ago you would uh, you would have a product let's say i don't know a um uh, a water bottle and uh and and what you would uh, you, what you would have to do is you know create the brand build everything release it after three months you do a focus group you try to figure out if it's going well or not after six months you would then, you know, uh, come back to this decision and, and et cetera, et cetera, right? right? Now, uh, that barrier, because of the, uh, the access to uh, two things, number one is data, and number two is the interconnectivity, if you will, of, 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 of this kind of digital world that we live in. And it's, and it's I, I, I personally stop calling it digital because it's our reality. Right. Yeah, we're, we're, sure. It's just there's no there's no there's no there's no difference. We're all we're all mm -hmm. kind of connected almost all the time. Um, and uh, and that access to, to to data has all of a sudden turned that entire industry on its on its head um, because you and I can start a water bottle business. Right. And we can and we can actually get to right. market extremely quickly uh, without having to build our own factory. Exactly. Um, and, uh, and, and this is, uh, you know, this is one way that, uh, that, that data, um, really, uh, is, uh, is, is transformative. Um, and then in the context of building product and, and, uh, um, you know, in the, in the context of, uh, both, uh, both, both Gojek and now Nafas, um, that ability to, um, get almost instant feedback from people using your product and, and, allowing yourself to iterate as you go along um, is something that is uh, extremely valuable. So I'll give you, I'll give you an example of this. Um, as, uh, as part of the NAFAS ecosystem, we have built a, uh, a connected um, home air quality monitor and a connected air purifier. Right. Now, one of the things that, uh, that we're emphasizing is the fact that when you buy one of these products, Today, the features are ABC, but tomorrow the features could be ABCDEFG because 
because of that connectivity and because of that ability to uh, um, to you know do remote software, remote firmware updates, uh, we can bring this product alive. Um, yeah. And that's where that data comes in. Um, and uh, you know that's those are those are you know kind of a couple of examples of why um, it's uh, it's 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 almost all encompassing, right? Mm -hmm. uh, now now. The challenge and biggest challenge for uh, uh, for all of us is, um, you know, <laughs> to to, uh, to to mention the title of Nate Silver's book. What's the signal and what's the noise? Um, and and that's really what uh, what once you once you once you're kind of using data on an everyday basis, you're you're actually not you you're not focusing on the data itself, but you're trying to go in and find those things that are um, really influential to what you're trying to do. Right, right. I love Nate Silver, and obviously, uh, five thirty-eight is something that I, um, I I look at a lot. But I see um, data is obviously something that uh, can transform. It can make and break a business, and obviously, Nafas. I think uh, I listened to your podcast with Ias, if I'm not mistaken, and uh, you said that one of the reasons why Nafas uh, is built as like a business model is because um, obviously the data coming out of it is available and obviously data is something that's, uh, yeah, no business can run without data, right, uh, in today's world. So so, so while we're at it, um, let's venture into Nafas. It's super impressive what you're doing and I feel that it's about time that someone addresses uh, this thing in our city, Jakarta. Um, I want to know the motivation when you started all this. What made you want to start all this? Oh, that's a, that's a that's an interesting question. So one of the things that I really wanted to 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 do, and my key takeaway from my Gojek experience was, uh, you know, what I mentioned before, the fact that technology, especially mobile technology, really has the power to transform people's lives, um, right. and uh, and and uh, you know, uh, enable more opportunities and and just a, just a better life for people. So. Um, I thought one of the questions that I had uh, personally was I thought that why can't we take this uh, mindset of mobile and, you know, um, software and, uh, and apply it to environmental problems. Uh, so I actually researched a few different environmental problems. I took a look at plastic waste to energy conversion, water desalination, electric vehicles. I looked at uh, solar microgrids. And, uh, um, and I looked at air quality as well. And mm -hmm. frankly speaking, the reason why air quality spoke to me so much is because um, I ran a test in my house and uh, um, my air quality in my, in my house in Jakarta, um, on the south side of the city, green garden, et cetera, et cetera, my right. air quality was about 30% worse than the air quality in Jalan Sudirman. Wow. So I was just kind of like, okay, how is this even possible, right? Because exactly. you learn, you learn about uh, about you know, green and trees and create yeah. oxygen and it's kind of great for you, etc. And and, uh, and I could, I could, I guess I could say that that's where the rabbit hole started and it opened up and it was just kind of like, well, why is this happening and why is this happening and you know, learning as much as possible about the problem and then realizing very quickly that a it's enormous, the problem. Sure. B, it affects everybody in the world. And C, um, there hasn't really been, uh, in, my, in my opinion, um, uh, there hasn't really been uh, a lot of effort put forward to taking all of this scientific research that's been done about um, 
the impacts of uh, of air pollution on our health and people's health, um, and uh, and exp- and and it hasn't really been transformed into things that people understand. Right. Um, so uh, so you know, I got together with uh, with with Nathan, who's my uh, my co-founder and CEO of the business, right. and um, and you know, he he uh, him and I both um, had this this kind of same point of view: the fact that it's been a problem for a while. Yes. Um, there's no, there's no data, right? So we have to make data available. Mm -hmm. Um, and we have to give people an option for how to live their life because, um, you know, we can't sit around and wait for change to, uh, 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 to happen. Um, now, you know, one of the things, uh, one of the things that I had discovered through this entire process is the fact that, um, reversing, uh, air pollution issues, um, is a multi-year, actually multi-decade-long process. Yep. Um, and uh, and you know we have to think about short-term, medium-term, and long-term uh, uh, stuff that we could do. So that's kind of how Nafas was born. Nafas was born from the fact that I was I was uh, um, a, or, or sorry, my part of Nafas was 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 born, and my inspiration for this was I was sitting in my yard and I was just really angry about air pollution. That's great. That's great. Uh, yang gua lihat dari banyak sekali startup di Indonesia adalah uh, lahir dari sebuah keresahan, right? That's uh, from from like uh, you know from 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 just some you know some good anger in a sense that uh, wants to solve a problem in the community. Um, the first time that I heard about Nafas was probably last year uh, when I came across a LinkedIn post from I think Crystal. Uh, uh, I think she like posted Nafas or something like that. And then, obviously, I later downloaded it, and I think the best thing about Nafas is it helps us build a lifestyle that just makes us more aware of the air pollution inside, uh, outside, right? Um, obviously, like you've always said, that the most important thing is one, be aware and have an opinion about this, uh, um, this problem, right? Um, but I think that eventually we'll have to do something about it, right? Uh, probably take participative steps um, because because right now the awareness is there. Okay, if the air pollution is bad, I'll probably not you know bike. Or I'll probably not uh, run outside. But will there be like let's say a next step or or probably if you could give us some tips as a society how we can uh, lower down these AQI levels as a whole because I know this is not an easy problem and it requires collaboration. You know, from multiple sides, probably to government, uh, businesses, and also the citizens in general. But what is your strategy in order for us, as let's say, Rakyat Jakarta, to be able to lower down these levels? The the uh, uh, the realistic side of, uh, of 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 me is really focused more on uh, rallying uh, support uh, about around this uh, around this topic. Wow. Um, and the main reason for that is because um, if you take a look at history, right, uh, you take a look at places that had uh, incredibly bad air pollution um, and things got fixed. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's London in the 1950s. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, London's Clean Air Act was signed in 1956. There's the, there's the U.S. in the 70s. Uh, so 1970 was when the Clean Air Act of the U.S. was signed. And then there's China uh, a few years ago. Um, where uh, the Chinese government made a very conscious decision to start addressing air pollution problems. Mm -hmm. Um, All three of these cases had one thing in common, 
And that thing in common was the fact that there was uh, support and awareness of the issue from the public. Wow. Because these are, uh, uh, these are issues where um, an incredible amount of uh, policy uh, needs to be created and an incredible amount of enforcement of these policies needs to be uh, needs to be created in order for it to actually work. Yeah. Um, you know, if you take a look at private businesses, the, the 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 challenge of sustainability, if you're a private business, is the fact that there's a premium on sustainability. There's a reason why people, why companies use plastic versus any other uh, any other materials because plastic's the cheapest. Exactly. Right? Yeah. Now, now, um, for a, for a business, in order to participate in sustainability, they need to have some type of an incentive. Because if you and I run, let's go back to this bottle uh, bottle uh, sure. example. If you and I run a bottle company, and you're buying uh, plastic for I don't know ten cents a bottle, and mm-hmm. I'm buying plastic for nine cents a bottle, and it costs twenty cents a bottle uh, in order to become greener and more sustainable. Are you and I going to be eating into our margin uh, to uh, uh, to be more sustainable for for quote unquote moral reasons, right? Because there's no other incentive. Uh, there's a high likelihood that that the answer to that is no, because you and I have uh, have yeah. shareholders. You and I have you know a business to run, um, mm-hmm. and uh, and the best uh, I think the best example of uh, the failure of corporations to self police is the Volkswagen diesel scandal. Um, in uh, um, globally, uh, and you know, for 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 your listeners who who aren't aware of this, what happened was that Volkswagen um, had started selling its cars as a cleaner solution to um, uh, to regular fuel. They were diesel cars. Right. Now, what Volkswagen was doing was they were um, manipulating the onboard computer for all of the cars that were put into testing. So in the testing facility, it looked like it was cleaner um, and it passed all the tests. So then when the cars started getting sold um, outside of these uh, testing facilities, the cars were actually multiple times worse, sometimes 20, sometimes 30, sometimes 40 times worse um, than they should have been. And they got away with that for a, a, a variety of years. And, you know, there was enormous investigations. There's a, there's a variety of uh, of um, documentaries about this. Um, so, so, you know, the, the, the general point of, uh, of, of, of those two kind of stories is, um, the first thing that we should do is take care of our own health. It's kind of like, uh, it's kind of like being on a plane. You put the mask on first, right? Yeah. Um, and, uh, and, and this goes to simple changes in your lifestyle. You know, if it's really bad outside, just don't go for that run today. Right. Or, mm-hmm. or run for 30 minutes instead of an hour or hour and a half. Um, and, uh, and start checking it out every single, uh, every single day. Um, and then tell people about it, uh, tell your friends, tell your, uh, uh, you know, coworkers that, um, air pollution is a, uh, is a health problem. And here's a way for you to be able to manage your own, manage your own life. Now, over time, um, what we all can do is every few years in Indonesia, it's five years, we elect our next government. Um, yes. And, uh, and if you take a look at uh, the governments in the UK, you cannot run for any type of a government position in the UK, whether it's mayor or, or uh, um, you know, something in the house, prime minister, whatever it is, yeah. 
without a policy on air quality, without a wow. very clear opinion and without a very clear plan on air quality. Uh, mm. And that's not because all of a sudden these politicians were saying that, hey, air quality is important for me. They knew that it was important for uh, uh, for the people who live there. Exactly. Um, so long story, long story short, it's really... Uh, it's really up to us to a take care of ourselves and b make sure that this is an issue that's important to not just not just us but more and more people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree that it's a collective effort, and obviously this isn't something instant. Um, what I've seen uh, about like people in my generation, the Gen Z, is that obviously we have this awareness uh, about the environment and we want to make it better. But we are in this, you know, we are in the generation where we want things to be instant. We want things to be right, you know, in our eyes. Um, I really love the thing that you said about the government, because I think in terms of that, uh, it's not only uh, the people. Because if, let's say, you have someone who's, let's say, really, like, uh, he or she is going to, let's say, make uh, decisions that help the air quality of the country, um then what if uh, then what what happens when he or she is gone right you want that policy to even outlive or outlast uh, the person who's there so i think that's a very interesting point there um in terms of like nafas in general i think uh before we get into more of like the future plans uh could you probably just explain uh where nafas is at right now and like you know, a brief description. Obviously, just now we started with a like a one sentence description of Nafas, but if you could uh, tell the listeners at home what it is and where it's at now, probably. So, so um, the main vision behind Nafas is to build a, a health and wellness platform with air yeah. quality at the core of it. Um, okay. And uh, and you know why uh, why health and wellness and why air quality? Because in order for somebody to survive, you need three things: you need to eat, you need to drink, and you need to breathe, mm-hmm. right? Uh, because because breathing is so um, automatic, we kind of tend to forget um, and think about what we're breathing. Other other challenge with that is the fact that um in 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 general what you breathe is invisible whereas you know you can kind of see what you're eating and what you're what you're what you're drinking for the most part right um you know where where we are today um nafas has already installed uh, almost 120 uh air quality monitors in jaburetabe Jakarta, and bali um and um and what we're doing is uh, is making sure that that data is readily available to uh as many people as possible yeah. Um, so the, the sensor network collects almost 3 million data points a month uh, across uh, a couple of different pollutants in some cases, temperature, humidity, et cetera, et cetera. And, uh, and what, we, what we imagine that, uh, uh, that, that, that we're going to be doing with this data is um, to, number one, in the future, potentially work with government to help, uh, help identify where these problem areas are so that policy can be created for it. Uh, the other thing as well is uh, is is like we talked about before. Um, how can how can Nafas help your lifestyle as an individual um, in order for you to be um, you know that that uh, that percentage uh, healthier? It, it kind of goes goes down to uh, the concept of marginal gains. Uh, if you've yeah. uh, if you've read Atomic Habits by uh, by James Clear. Um, and uh, and and where we're kind of taking it in the future is uh, is, is we want to make sure that um, people have um, access to um, 
air quality data, whether they're indoors or outdoors. Uh, because one of the things that we, there's a couple of things that we tend to forget. Number one is the fact that even though we're, we're a, uh, a species, if you will, that was built to, uh, uh, or, or created to be outdoors, we spend about 90% of our time inside buildings now, right? We, we're, we're in our house, we're, we're in the office, we're in school, et cetera, et cetera, right? Especially with the pandemic, yeah. Especially with the pandemic, that's probably like 99% of the time now. <laughs> Yeah. Um, that's the first thing. The second thing is the fact that um, the air quality indoors very often is actually worse than outside. Um, and the reason that we uh, that we don't know that is simply because we've never measured it. Right. Um, and uh, and that's where the second part of uh, of NAFAS comes in. You know, we've uh, we've 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 created products like this that you can have inside your home. This wow. is a uh, this is a, a home air quality monitor where you can actually uh, see what that air mm-hmm. quality looks like in, uh, in, in your house. And if you need to uh, make, uh, make adjustments, you know, um, on days when it's really bad, you close your windows and close your doors, right? That's yeah. where that outdoor data comes in. Uh, and if you need additional kind of support in, in, uh, in getting it cleaned up, you get a, you get a purifier. Yeah. Now, um, why is this uh, why is this really really important? Because this is also one of these things that I didn't know before. Kind of getting into this is the fact that in tropical countries, um, houses and buildings don't have to be properly sealed um, because you're never you're never uh, at threat of cold weather outside. Exactly. Right. Um, so, you know, you're here, you're hopefully not going to experience a polar vortex, but if you were in a, if you were in a house that wasn't sealed, you would be feeling that polar vortex, you know, uh, inside, inside your house. No so, doubt. so what does that, what does that mean for, for tropical countries? That means that there is a very high likelihood, and we are running research on this right now, mm-hmm. that if that air quality outside is unhealthy, very unhealthy or hazardous, it's coming inside into your house and it is also unhealthy, very unhealthy or hazardous inside your house where you're spending 90% of your time. Now, you know, finally, what is the problem with this? Outside, there's wind. So exactly. uh, so uh, at some point that air is not going to be hazardous anymore because the wind is going to blow it away. Mm-hmm. In your bedroom, unless you open up your windows... There is no uh, wind blowing stuff away, so you're you're essentially kind of sitting around in uh, in, in unhealthy air. Now, you know the, the the challenge with all of this is to uh, is is to get down to that process right. of of getting somebody to, uh, to 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 understand what what this is like. But if you take a look at the research, the research right now is uh, is, is very clear, especially given the COVID situation, the fact that. Um, mm-hmm. You know, uh, it's been uh, it's it's been uh, written that COVID is airborne, um, wow, yeah. and and indoor air quality is a key component to yes uh, how well and how often uh, mm-hmm. uh, viruses such as COVID uh, gets passed around between uh, between people. So it's actually very very interestingly for us coming full circle with the pandemic because. Um, air quality, both indoor and outdoor, is a very, very important uh, component of how we live our lives. Wow. Um, I really love how NAFAS uh, came in about the same time as like, you know, when the pandemic started to, to you know, have that double awareness. Um, but I feel as much as I hate to say it here in Indonesia, uh, from what you've said is, you know, it's not 
just, you know, it's more of an information problem, right? Some people are not informed of this issue, like you said. Some people don't even realize that their houses are not sealed properly or stuff like that. Um, which is something that's very interesting, especially going forward, because um, I'm looking at 2030, and this is a year that we mention a lot in our episodes, because this is a huge year for growth here in Indonesia. Kalau misalnya di bahasa Indonesia, bonus demografi, which is like, you know, the demographic dividend. The uh, And 2030 is going to be an era where our youths will be the most productive, right, here in Indonesia. Um But I'm thinking that as much as, you know, obviously it has to start with, as you say, like little steps, uh, like marginal gains. I think that's what you said. Um, and it has to start now, obviously. Um, it's very fresh. And I think it's really, um, I'm really grateful that someone is already thinking of this long term issue before it's too late. Uh, but yeah, I want to know, like, how do we promote this literacy here in Indonesia, especially for the youths today? Um, we have, you know, financial literacy. I've wor- I've done a lot of financial literacy in Tokopedia as well, and you've obviously had that in Gojek. Uh, digital literacy is also there. Uh, but how do we promote environmental sustainability literacy? Because obviously there are people who wouldn't uh, put the environment over, let's say, their business gain or environment over this other gain. Um, yeah, how do we promote this, especially among the young kids today? That's a that's a really great question, and and I think uh, I think one of the uh, um, one of the catalysts of this is the fact that uh, you know Gen Z and and the younger generation uh, tends to be a little bit more uh, aware of these types of issues from the get go uh, and more curious about these types of issues, and I think part of that has to do with uh, access to knowledge and access to information. Uh, and access to things like social media, which kind of brings me to the next point. How are we going to do this? By repetition, 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 talking about it, talking about it, and uh, and using data in order to prove uh, uh, prove the case of what's going on. Um, and this uh, and this applies to uh, um, to all aspects of sustainability, not just air quality. This applies to uh, waste management. This applies to water pollution. This applies to, you know, how we use our land and how we use our forests. Um, you know, what what I hope uh, uh, happens as quickly as possible is that uh, there comes a general consensus um, that um, our resources are finite. Yeah. Um, and that that consensus doesn't come after the tipping point because mm-hmm. at some point it's just going to be, I wouldn't say too late because, uh, um, because uh, there, there is, I, I recently read uh, Bill Gates's book, uh, how to solve a climate crisis mm-hmm. or sorry, how to avoid a climate disaster. Right. And, um, and one of the key points that he makes is, you know, um, once, once we reach kind of the point of no return, it's not going to be a question of, you know, a mass, dinosaur-like extinction, um, you know, over one one day or one week or whatever it is, uh, it's just going to get a lot harder to do a lot of the things that uh, that we wanted to uh, or that we need to do in order to 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 live and and and, uh, in order to continue to grow as a as a planet. So for sure, I think I think there's a lot of different types of organizations out there um, who are talking a little bit more about sustainability. Um, I hope this is something that eventually can can become part of the school curriculum and the education curriculum. 
Um, and, and I think, uh, I think it's something that we have to start like literally right now. Um, we should be, uh, we should, we should be educating our, uh, our, our children and starting in, you know, even estate classes talking about our planet and, uh, and how it's something that we need to take care of. Exactly. Exactly. And I feel like, uh, so, so I actually had a global engineering class, uh, this spring. Um, and I, and it's very unfortunate, I think that, um, I, th- I saw that, you know, people who, who are, who were born, I think in 1980 and all the way until now, they have never, um, experienced what is actually, you know, like, you know, average temperature, like it's just, it's just been going up all, all the way. And I think, um, it's very interesting because here in Jakarta, I feel there are so many startups that try to solve like the same issues but there are so many issues that are still left uh, unsolved yet um i was uh, when i when i saw you starting nafas i was like really inspired because this is something that uh a lot of people know but they don't want to act upon and you obviously had that uh you had that first step um i think i saw this uh, video from vox talking about jakarta sinking you know faster than ever and obviously temperature is a huge thing that we also like it's happening globally as well um i feel like these are issues that obviously it's going to be still here like we're going to still be talking about it but these are issues that will still uh be really like talked even more about in my generation as you know uh my generation grows older so for any youth you know thinking of being a change maker, solving these problems, be it, you know, as an organization, NGO, or as a startup, um, what would you, what would your advice be for them? You know, this is something that obviously is not easy and it cannot be instant, but what, what advice would you give uh, if we want to solve this, these issues? Uh, there's two things. That's a really great question. There's two things. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you have to have a relentless curiosity for the problem. Um, because, uh, almost every single one of these problems that you're talking about has layers and layers and layers of complexity to it. Uh, and you have to have that, you know, this, this almost childlike, um, questioning of, uh, of, of, of what's going on. You know, uh, there's a, there's a, there's a mental model called first principles that, that kind of goes into, uh, goes into this. Uh, so I think that's the first thing. Um, the second thing is, uh, is um, I think you have to have a lot of patience uh, and you have to have a lot of patience because, um, you know, addressing some of these issues just takes a really long time. Yeah. Um, and building support for a certain issue takes a really long time. Uh, and finding the message that works takes a really long time. Um, and, uh, and I think, uh, I think, you know, one of the, one of the challenge, uh, uh, for, for that is the fact that, uh, the internet has spoiled us. Uh, yeah. we are, you know, probably the most impatient generation ever, yeah. uh, simply because, you know, everything is instant, everything is now, you know, uh, I sometimes ask, uh, ask people if they remember, uh, before Gojek, how you got a taxi, you know, you would call and then, they would say the taxi would come in 20 minutes and you'd be like, cool, the taxi's coming in 20 minutes and you wouldn't have any issue with it now. And, you know, today you order a Gojek and if he doesn't arrive in the next, you know, 56 seconds, you're already angry that, 
you know, this is a, what kind of customer experience is this, right? right. Uh, so there, there is this enormous patience that's required in this. So, so curiosity and patience. Um, and, uh, uh, and I think the other thing as well is the fact that there are a lot more, um, there's, there's a lot more companies, there's a lot more uh, private equity firms, there's a lot more VC firms who are starting to look into ESG and sustainability yeah. as a uh, as a very uh, uh, as a very important uh, part of their portfolio. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, this is actually um, a category that now is emerging into a completely new uh, opportunity for business. Because you know, also one of my you know personal also misconceptions before I started all this stuff was um, the uh, uh, the fact that you know. When you think about green and climate, you think about NGOs, right? And you yes. think about National Geographic and you think about, you know, a save the orangutan walk that you have at school, right? You don't think about uh, building a company and building a business around it. And now yeah. it's just become, uh, it's become uh, a possibility. And in fact, sure. it's become uh, an enormous opportunity. So for anybody who's listening and, you know, if you're thinking about some of the more, um, eh, I would say, I don't know, technologically advanced lines, you know, we've got fintech and you've got logistics and you've Mm -hmm. got banking and you've got, you know, AI and all this other stuff. There's this, there's this thing called the, 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 the the climate and the planet that could also use your help. Um, Mm -hmm. And, uh, and, and frankly speaking for me, one of the most rewarding parts of this entire experience has been learning something that, that is uh, completely new. Wow. Um, and, uh, and because of the internet and because of the possibilities that are, that are available to us today, we, we, if you want to learn it, you can learn it. Um, it's a very, it's a, uncle Google is your friend. For sure. For sure. Uh, that was really, um, I think that, uh, viewpoint is one that, uh, will be very refreshing for our generation. And I think, um, it will speak to a lot of us for sure. Um, before we end, and I will go to the draft uh, after this, you've been talking about all these visions for 2030 and for Indonesia in 2030. And I'm really uh, grateful that you're, um, you know, sort of uh, making us aware about this. But uh, we've been talking a lot about NAFAS uh, so far. Let's go back to you as a person. Um, in 2030, you'll probably be, what, in your early 40s and NAFAS will be in its teens. Um, oh, man. <laughs> yeah. But I wish. What do you imagine yourself and Nafas to be like in 2030? Um, you know, I, I in, in, in 2030, I imagine mm-hmm. Nafas to be uh, part of our daily life, just like uh, just like some of the other uh, uh, some of the other, you know, uh, things that you can't live your life without. You can't yeah. live life without uh, your weather app. You can't live life without your Gojek app. You can't live life without your, you know, Spotify app or yes. Tokopedia. And, and, mm-hmm. uh, and, and, you know, I imagine, and, and, uh, and, and we imagine that, uh, in places that have a pollution problem and mm-hmm. whether we like it or not, Jakarta and some of these other cities in Indonesia are, are those places, um, we will be something of a, of a, of a daily, uh, of a daily tool for people to, uh, live a, a healthier life. That's great. That's great. Um, I really love that. And obviously for you, uh, being your early forties, I think, uh, you just had your daughter last year, if I'm not mistaken. That's correct. That's great. Congratulations, man. Thank you. Yep. Uh, but, but I really love it. Um, so 2030, uh, there's a lot, 
I think what I got from it yang gue bisa tarik garis besarnya adalah um, obviously this is not something that uh, will happen overnight but if we have these marginal gains these little steps will be able to solve it uh, together obviously it's a collaborative thing yeah Piot, thank you so much we'll now jump into the draft so basically we're, we're just gonna be alternating you know the top five um you know places you would like to visit or revisit post the pandemic oh. uh you know uh when i was researching i've i saw that traveling photography those are you know your interests and obviously oh. Oh, uh man. traveling is a big like i miss traveling a lot you know just getting on the plane just you know just checking in just going from place to place and then just just not knowing where you're going right just wandering around cities that's something that i uh that i want to do so so what's going to happen is you're going to be going first because you're my guest you're going to pick uh the first uh place and then we're going to go uh we're going to keep alternating and then your five versus my five in the footprints podcast instagram let's see who wins Uh, okay great just a little bit of a background i am two and oh i haven't lost these drafts so let's see if you can break the streak oh man Tough, tough, tough. Okay, cool. I'm going to start with uh, my first place is Istanbul in Turkey. Ooh, wow. Why why Istanbul? uh, um, I love the city. I love the culture. I love the food. I love the people. Um, It's just, it's, it's because of its history, it's just been on the cusp of the East and the West at the same time. And you can just, it just becomes this, um gado gado of culture right? i love it i love it i i want to go there sometime i've never been there but uh sounds really interesting um for my first pick i'll start you know home is where the heart is right so i'll start in indonesia um i want to go this is somewhere i've never been uh i want to go to sumba Ooh, uh, very okay. interesting place and yeah i wish i could go there Ho- hopefully i can go there sometime before uh fall break but we'll see why, why Sumba? It's it's just uh, I've only heard uh, good things about it. Uh, my friends have been there. You know the pictures of you know just uh, being on the beach with the horses swimming and stuff. Um, yeah, I feel it's you know it's it's uh, maybe it's gonna be you know it's a potential for being another Bali or something, right? Yes. Yes. Okay. Cool. Mm-hmm. Sumba. That's that's hard to follow. Mm-hmm. Um. For my next one, uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna go a little bit further away. You're you're going home. I'm going further away. All right. Uh, for for my next one is uh, Torre de Pine National Park in Patagonia, uh, in Argentina and Chile because mm. it's just from a nature perspective, uh, it's literally the the most beautiful place that I've ever been to. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I, I, I completely love my experience there. So Great, that's great. Um, I'm going to obviously uh, go further now. Uh, I'm going to go to a place that I researched this uh, before, and this is number 10 on the least uh, polluted uh, AQI uh, index in the world. Ooh. It's Bergen in Norway. Yes. Uh, West Norway, it's amazing. Um, obviously, also, you know, in Scandinavia, I went there uh, on a cruise, I think, two years ago, and it, it's like, it's it's the best. You know, the fjords, and, you know, just being able to see the Aurora uh, Borealis. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I long for that experience again. Okay, yeah. Mm-hmm. I've, I've, I've actually never been to uh, 
in the Arctic Circle area. So, uh, right. so I'm actually jealous. So that's a really good choice. Mm, for my next one, I'm going to I'm going to go to Poland. Um, because uh, obviously, obviously, that's where uh, a lot of my family is because I'm Polish. Mm-hmm. But um, Warsaw has been one of the up and coming cities of Europe over the last mm-hmm. uh, uh, over the last decade, actually. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of the reasons, outside of you know being family home, one of the reasons mm-hmm. why I, I love uh, uh, I love going to Warsaw is that it's it's um, it's an incredible mix of history because you've got the modern yeah. city and you've got you know mm-hmm. the modern country, but then you've got a lot of architecture that uh, that was uh, mostly rebuilt after uh, after the Second World War, and you know mm-hmm. there's museums, there's plenty of history, so you've got uh, you've got both things uh, there. That's great. Uh, I think I've been to uh, Warsaw uh, once. Uh, I love, I love the. Uh, is that called the pierogi or something like that? Yes. Do they have like salmon or fish or something inside? There's, there's, uh, yeah. there's, there's multiple. You can have meat, fish. You can have veggies. It's amazing. Oh, it's great. It's great. It's great. Um, all right. This is my third pick. Right. I'm gonna be going to Canada. Um, the Canadian Rockies. There. There's a city there called Banff. Uh, mm-hmm. Very amazing, and they have wonderful lakes. Uh, I don't want to go there in the winter. Um, obviously, the summer months going there would be just immaculate. Amazing, amazing. Mm-hmm. Uh, for my fourth pick, I'm gonna go. Uh, I'm gonna go home, and like uh, I'm gonna go to uh, the Borobudur Temple wow. in Jogja mm-hmm. because one of the most one of the most amazing feelings for me and it's something that i haven't been able to describe uh why i like it so much is being on the temple at sunrise yep. and just and just enjoying the sunrise it's uh, i've done it nine times wow um and uh you know it's a, it's a photographer's dream as well so mm-hmm. i just keep going back and and just enjoying it so i'm putting uh, i'm putting borobudur and uh, um, and uh, and after watching the sunrise, I'm going to have a nice plate of nasi goreng magala, which Ooh, is uh, that is amazing. Which is which is nasi goreng and mi goreng mixed together. Um, I, I I want that right now. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, j- j- just a quick question before we go to my pick. Uh, as like you know, someone who's uh, who's like doing a lot of things, you know, with uh, in a screen, and obviously you'll have to like. You know, use technology a lot. Um, what do you long for, like in a you know, like in a holiday? Is it like time away from screen, or what is like, or is it just beaches, or what? Uh, just quiet, actually. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And and what I, what I really like to do is um, just you know, put your put your phones, put your screens away, and it doesn't matter if you're on a beach or in the middle of uh, uh, or in mm-hmm. the middle of a busy street uh, or or somewhere else. It's just personal quiet right where 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 nothing is uh, nothing is eating at your uh, at your attention and you can kind of take in the world around you and you know that kind of comes from just doing just doing a lot of photography i really enjoy that uh and that's kind of my that's kind of my zen moment if you will love it love it uh my fourth pick here wouldn't be i wouldn't call it really quiet but it's you know it's very um it really gives you this very you know mix of cultures so i'm gonna go Uh, just an hour away from Jakarta to Singapore. Uh, it's always going to be a food adventure when you go there. And depending on which part of the city you go, you can have a different experience. So 
Um, and especially uh, being really close to Jakarta, it's like, oh my gosh, I haven't gone there for a long time. It's like, I want to be where you're at right now, you know, which is <laughs> Singapore, man. Amazing. What, what, what's the first thing that you would eat when you're here? Ooh, I would go to, I think, Newton, right? It's called Newton. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and, I, and I'd get the uh, carrot cake or maybe nasi lemak. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I could go for like a whole rant, probably, you know, um, l- let me see, you know, laksa and then also um, the, what's that called? Do you know the butterfly chakwe thing? Um, I think so, yeah. It's, yeah, it's it's chakwe basically. Ja- yeah. But they but they don't call it that, they call it something else, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. For my fifth one is... Uh, to round it out. Yeah, to round it out. Um... I want to go to a party in Ibiza. Ooh. I think we've been stuck inside for right. way too long and want to go to a party in Ibiza. Um, just because we just we haven't been to a party in forever. Exactly, um, exactly. And from what I hear, I've never been. So from what I hear, they, they've got some of the best parties in the world. For sure, for sure. I've only heard, uh, the, you know, the clips and, you know, just like music references here and there about Ibiza. Um, but for me, I'm going to round it out with a place that I will call home, you know, for the next three years. Evanston, uh, Illinois. Uh, I really want to go on campus. And it's not just, you know, it's not necessarily uh, the school that I want to go to. It's, you know, this experiences, uh, meeting new people and obviously just enjoying uh, college life. Right. Because my first year, it's like you're in college, but you're not actually in college. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, that's that's how I want to round it out. I think yours will be more of a fan favorite than mine, just because mine, like my picks, are more specific. But we'll see. We'll see. You got it. You definitely have a home field advantage. Exactly. Um, that's right. But Evanston, Evanston is an amazing place, and uh, you know, congratulations on uh, on on uh, being able to attend such a school like uh, Northwestern. Thank you, thank uh, and uh, and I hope you get back on campus uh, as soon as possible. Thank you, thank you. Um, that's it for this episode. Thank you so much, uh, Piot, for uh, jumping in. I really enjoyed, and obviously, uh, my audience can take away a lot from this episode. Uh, my name is Isaac Winoto. My name is Piot, and thank you for having me. This is the Footprints Podcast signing out. Bye bye, everyone. Goodbye. <laughs>